Hello everyone and welcome to episode 585 of So You Want to Be a Writer, the podcast that's all about writing and publishing. My name's Valerie Koo. I'm CEO of the Australian Writer Centre, the world's leading centre for writing courses, and I'm your host. What have you been up to this week? Last episode, last week, I mentioned that I was going on a cruise, but I got my dates mixed up and I'm actually going this week. So if you followed along on my Instagram stories last week, expecting, you know, footage of cabins and buffets and shuffleboard and Julie, the cruise director from The Love Boat, well, now you know why you didn't get it. That's this week. In the meantime, over the last week, I've been mentoring members of the Freelance Writing Masterclass program, uh, the wonderful program that we have for people who want to be feature writers and content writers and who have done our Freelance Writing Stage 1 course. Then they go on into the Freelance Writing Masterclass program and, um, and, I, and I love hanging out with them and I love mentoring them and seeing them get published. I've also been editing a manuscript and I also had a chat with Anne aspiring author who has written a fair chunk of her novel. I haven't read it all yet. Uh, Well, obviously, because it's not quite finished, but I love the premise and I think it's got legs and I can't wait till she finishes it so that I can see what happens. And I wanted to talk about something that's been on my mind recently. And that is what happens when you're creatively curious and you have multiple interests or passions. Because maybe you love writing, but you also really, genuinely, really do love your day job as a chiropractor or whatever, and you don't intend on ever giving it up. Or you love writing, but you also love creating music. And, you know, you can be torn, right? Because there's only so many hours in the day and you're wondering which direction you should go to. Now, I have met so many supposed mentors or experts who say that you should just pick a lane. Meaning, you know, determine the thing that you want to be known for and just double down on that. And on one hand, that makes sense. Yeah, because it, yeah, it makes sense. Become known for one thing in particular. But on the other, why in the world would you deprive yourself of exploring, you know, fully exploring whatever you're passionate about? Like, for example, the author Caroline Baum, who wrote the beautiful memoir, only. And you might know her from her work as a journalist and a broadcaster. And she was also the founding editor of Good Reading magazine. I interviewed her back in episode 156, if you want to check that out. Now, Caroline didn't just pick a lane. She's not only a writer, but she's also an artist. She's even designed a whole range of gorgeous rugs. Yes, rugs, (laughs) which are available through designer rugs. I strongly believe that you should give in to your creative curiosity. You know, that's whatever it is that might pique your interest or cause you to go, oh, I wonder what it would be like to do that. Give into it because, you know, that's your true self leading you to discover something. And you might not know what that something specifically is yet, you know, what the final outcome will be, at least not right now. But the thing is, there's only one way to find out. And the only way to find your soul's own calling is to allow yourself to dip your toe in the water to see where it might lead you. Now, if you've been following along this podcast or on my Instagram, you may know that over the past couple of years, I discovered the world of art and service design. With art, I paint predominantly large scale flowers, you know, mainly in oils. And this gives me no end of joy. It's great. With surface design, okay, you might not have even heard of surface design. I certainly had not a couple of years ago. But basically, you know, it's like um, fabrics and wallpapers and upholstery and that kind of thing. Well, someone designs those things and, and designs the patterns on those things. They're surface designers. Anyhow, to cut a really long story short, I didn't even know that was a thing. But somehow when I started allowing myself to swim outside of my lane, my creative lane, when I allowed myself to explore my creative curiosity, I met a service designer and I was immediately intrigued and drawn to what she did. And then 
I met another one like a month later and I was fascinated with her creative process. I mean, I had never met any surface designers before that. And now in the space of a month or two, it was no, no more than two months, I met these two women and I started researching what these people did because I thought, who knew, who knew? So I decided to lean into that creative curiosity And the same can apply to you. Perhaps you're interested in something that piques your creative interest. Maybe you're already writing, but you want to try a different genre. Like you love writing rom-coms, but you might want to try crime. Now, I know, I know some publishers or agents might say, oh, you can't confuse people. If you're writing crime, you should stick to crime. And I get it. Of course I get it from a marketing point of view. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't try writing in another genre. You don't have to publish it, and it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go down that path, but you might learn something from it, right? You just want to explore and experiment. You want to allow your creative soul to explore the area of activity you're curious about. It might lead to something, as I said, or it might not, but you're never going to find out until you try. And if it does lead somewhere, then you can make some of the marketing decisions around branding and not confusing people. Like Pamela Freeman, who has oh, written many books, including you know fantasy under that name, Pamela Freeman. Um, Pamela's our wonderful director of creative writing at the Australian Writers' Centre. But then she began writing historical fiction and whodunits. So in order not to confuse readers, she writes them under Pamela Hart. Or Minnie Dark, who has been on this podcast before, who writes commercial women's fiction. But then she writes literary fiction under the name of Danielle Wood and children's novels under the name of Angelica Banks. My point is, if there's something niggling inside you that's saying, hey, should I explore this? The answer is a resounding yes. You don't necessarily have to do it under another name. You know, I'm still Valerie Koo, whether I'm a writer or an artist or a surface designer. Don't get caught up on names or branding at this stage. Just listen to that inner voice, which is calling you to try something, that thing you've been wondering about, you know, that thing that you feel drawn to. At minimum, it will be creatively fulfilling to try it out, but it could also be a lot more. When I was drawn to the world of surface design a couple of years ago, I started creating patterns and wallpapers and fabrics, not even knowing where it would go. But I loved doing it and I loved fusing my storytelling skills with it. You know, I know you might wonder how in the world do you infuse writing and storytelling with fabric or wallpaper? (laughs) Well, I created a story. For one collection of designs, I created a whole story set in the Riviera, as in the French Riviera, with characters and settings and relationships and a plot, everything. It was that story that inspired the designs. And I did that not really thinking of a final outcome. I just loved this little world of characters that I had created for well, for myself, really, you know, I had pictures that I stuck up onto the wardrobe doors and stuff like that. (laughs) Anyhow, as I said, I had no idea where that would end up. But this week, the entire wallpaper collection has been released nationally via the Bunnings website. I know, I'm pinching myself. If you had told me a year ago that that would happen, I would have laughed in your face. And yes, I said Bunnings, as in Bunnings, the hardware store. That's, you know, nationally, all around Australia. Now, it wouldn't have happened if I didn't give in to that creative itch and just allowed myself to start exploring. If you want to see it, there's a URL, but just Google Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, and Bunnings, and it'll come up. So my message to you this week is, are you curious about something? Do you want to try a particular creative pursuit or a particular type of writing? Just do it. Give yourself permission. Give in to your creative curiosity. Now let's welcome Nat Newman. How are you, Nat? Oh, I'm very well, Valerie. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're now, what, oh, you know, into January already. Mm. What have you been up to? Uh, well, I've just started an improv class, so that should be fun. Uh, oh my God, I always look at people who do improv and think, 
they are so smart. How do they do it? You have to be so quick. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it is, it, it's a skill you can learn like kind of anything. Like it's all about knowing, like listening to things and then filing things away. And, and as one of my teachers says, sometimes reaching for the obvious is the, is the simplest thing and will actually make people, like if you're going for laughs, it will actually be funnier to go for the obvious thing rather than to try and think of the most elaborate, crazy, um, convoluted thing. So, yeah, there's right. just, I think it's like anything, there's tips and skills and stuff. So, yeah. What made you want to learn improv? I just think it's a really good skill, um, like for for acting because, um, as you know, I do a bit of acting. Um, yeah, and I wouldn't mind maybe trying my hand at comedy one day. So, yeah, so I thought <laughs> the improv might um, might help with that as well. Wow. Okay. Mm. Can't wait to see you do some improv. <laughs> um, so Nat, of course, is one of our fantastic creative writing tutors here at the Australian Writers' Centre, and she is here with her writing tip for us this week. Yes, and my tip this week is learn a new language. Now, I know, Valerie, aren't you learning a language? What are you learning at the moment? I am. I'm learning Indonesian on Duolingo. Yeah, right. Um, and as you know, like I love languages, so I, I learn um, Italian, Swedish, Croatian, and I'm currently um, adding French to my um, to my I don't know when you have time to actually do all your <laughs> writing because you're also learning singing, you're in plays, you're doing 5 million things. How in the world do you learn so many languages at the same time? And do they have the same root language? Well, I have to say um, it is cheating a bit. Italian and French, uh, like my Italian is good enough that the French isn't too tricky. Um, mm. And the main thing there is getting interference. Uh, Croatian because uh, my mum's Croatian, so I've got a bit of a helping hand there. So the, the language yes. itself isn't too complicated. But Swedish, oh, my God. <laughs> it's, it's just it's mental. Although I have to say it's very similar to English in a lot of ways. Um, we Why did you want to learn Swedish? Like a lot, not, it's not a very common thing for people to learn. No, I watched a TV show Australia and anyway. I just I just loved I loved the sound of um the the characters speaking and so I thought, yeah, I'm gonna learn <laughs> Swedish. <laughs> oh my god. How yes, are you learning these things? Because I'm doing oh, Duolingo, so what are you yeah. doing? Um for Swedish, I do use uh Duolingo for Swedish because I'm still a beginner at that. And so I find Duolingo is great for um when you're a beginner. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Italian, I'm part of an online academy and then I also um, meet regularly with um, my speaking partner online. And How did you then, find a speaking partner? Uh, through Preply. So it's a – there's loads of um, kind of – Preply, that's sites. P-R-E-P-L-Y. Yeah. P-R-E-P-L-Y. Exactly, yeah. And what is Preply? Um, so it's just – it helps you to connect with people who are teaching normally languages online uh, so you can find someone who's teaching, you know, Chinese or Mandarin or, or you know, Swedish or whatever you want to learn and you just meet together on Skype and you have, you know, either lessons or just chats depending on what level you're at. Oh, um, right. That's yeah. like italki. I used exactly. to use italki, which was, yeah, exactly the same thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I've used italki as well. So, yeah, just it's sort of just about finding the right person that you connect with. Mm-mm. So, Yeah. And Fantastic. then with French, I use a different app called Lingvist because I actually have already, my French is already okay in terms of reading. So it's sort of a more advanced app. Um, so I've been using that one. Um, I just bought some French books. Um, I can't read them, yeah. <laughs> but I bought them because they're beautiful vintage, like, um, go- have you know, with gorgeous covers. I think it was something like the memoirs of the Minister of France, oh, like wow. a member of parliament in France. <laughs> Random. <laughs> Yeah, quite well, random. I mean, and also the, was... the, 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 the accounting ledgers of uh, of some government department in France oh, because they're just nerd. so beautiful. <laughs> I love it. But um, but that's actually kind of the original point of my tip was um, with learning a new language. So I, I just finished reading my first book in, entirely in Italian, like fiction book entirely oh in Italian. Oh, my God. Wow. And um, it's called Io, um, Io non ho paura, which means I'm not afraid. Um. And, and as I was reading it, you, you know, when you were a little kid and, and when you were reading, it was almost overwhelming sometimes, like you were just so overwhelmed by the images and the feelings and stuff. And I had mm. the same thing when I was reading in Italian, because I think it's because you don't quite grasp a hundred percent of everything. And so there's loads and loads of gaps and it act, it's actually this incredible feeling. Like I was really like reconnecting to reading as a kid. Um, and so I've Did you have to read with the dictionary next to you. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Um, 
and then particularly like when you sit down to read in a different language, um, the first couple of paragraphs, you will be picking up the dictionary quite often, but then after a while you just settle into the rhythm of it and you just kind of let go of control a bit and sort of go, okay, I'm not going to understand, you know, um, every single word, you know, there's probably 20% of the words I'm just not going to understand and I have to fill it in with context. And then sometimes a sentence, you just cannot make sense of it. So you do have to pick up the dictionary and, and, you know, there's one word that then unlocks the sentence. Um, and yeah, and so I don't know what it was. I think it, what, when I read in Italian, I really just get that incredible connection to the story again that I had as a kid. Um, so yeah, wow. so I think, I think it's worth <clears throat> trying out. Um, if, if you've, if you're learning a language, actually read some fiction in that language and, and see if, if you connect with it in that way. I, that you, but you really need to progress in your language quite a bit before you can pick up a work of fiction. I mean, I'm still like, how much is that? Where do you go to the toilet? I don't like milk. <laughs> yeah. And I guess that's one of the reasons I don't love Duolingo because it, it does focus on those sorts of things. Whereas it, it is, if you can pick up, um, a short story, find a short story online in Indonesian, you might be surprised how much you can progress with it. Um, you know, get your dictionary, get your pencil, underline things and, and, and do that translation work. That's how we used to learn languages before we had apps and, and streaks and gamification and all that sort of stuff. So mm, yeah, I think it's a really mm. good way to learn. Wow. Okay. Where do you find the time? Because I know that there would be listeners who would be going, I barely have enough time to do my writing. <laughs> Am I going to find time to learn a language to the level where I can read a work of fiction? Yeah. Well, if anything's important to you, you, you do find the time, don't you? Like one less Netflix show or um, I don't know, maybe even, well, with languages, I mean, what's great is you can, whilst you're on your walk, you can listen to some podcasts or some yes. audio books in the language as well. All of that stuff helps. Yes, yes. I think if I did one less Netflix show or if I stopped watching Netflix, I'd probably be fluent in Indonesian. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you only watch Indonesian shows. Oh, yes. I suppose I could. I don't even know whether they do that, whether you can change the language to Indonesian. It's not a very common thing. Hmm. You know, um, like when you go on all the apps, there's always German and French and oh, yeah. all of that and Italian and the Spanish, but there's very, not very often there's Indonesian. I'm lucky that it's on Duolingo. All right. Mm. Well, anyway, that is a great tip for this week. Thank you so much, Nat, and we'll see you next week. All right. See ya. It's time for the competition this week. This week, I'm giving away three copies of Rabbit Hole by Kate Brody, a debut novel filled with unexpected turns delving into the shadowy realm of true crime fandom and the boundaries of female friendship. Okay, I have three copies to give away, so here's the blurb. Conspiracy theories from Reddit seduce a disaster-prone woman into an obsession with solving her older sister's cold case of disappearance. Ten years ago, Theodora, Teddy Angstrom's older sister, Angie, went missing. Her case remains unsolved. Now Teddy's father, Mark, has killed himself. Unbeknownst to Mark's family, he had been active in a Reddit community fixated on Angie, and Teddy can't help but fall down the same rabbit hole. Teddy's investigation quickly gets her in hot water with her gun-nut boyfriend, her long-lost half-brother, and her colleagues at the prestigious high school where she teaches English. Further complicating matters is Teddy's growing obsession with Mickey, a charming amateur sleuth who is eerily keen on helping her solve the case. Bewitched by Mickey, Teddy begins to lose her moral compass as she struggles to reconcile new information with old memories, her erratic behaviour reaches a fever pitch, but she won't stop until she finds Angie or destroys herself in the process. A biting critique on the internet's voyeurism, Rabbit Hole is an outrageous and heart-wrenching character study of a mind twisted by grief and a page-turning mystery that's as addictive as a late-night Reddit binge. This week, we have three copies to give away. Just go to writercentre.com.au slash win. Entries close on the 22nd of January. But don't worry if you're at that URL in the future because you're listening to the back catalogue or something, then um, there'll be some other fantastic competition for you to enter. So that's writercentre.com.au slash win. And I've made it a lot easier for you to enter these days. So um, just go to that URL and it's super simple for your chance to win one of three copies of Rabbit Hole by Kate Brody. And now...
Are you ready for the word of the week? The word of the week this week is solecism. Solecism, that's S-O-L-E-C-I-S-M, solecism. What does it mean? Okay, solecism is a use of language regarded as substandard or non-standard or an error, impropriety or inconsistency. So you could say, he regretted that his solecism led to a breakdown in communication between the parties. There you go. Try using that in a sentence this week. Solecism. And that was the word of the week. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. If you're a fan of romantic fiction and would love to write stories in this hugely popular market, our self-paced course in romance writing will be your perfect match. Romance is the biggest selling genre in fiction and many may think it's easy to write, but a good romance novel is much more than a love story. In fact, more than any other genre, there are crucial structural beats your story must hit to truly captivate your readers and have them coming back for more. This online course is your ultimate guide to writing romance novels that sell. Discover everything you need to know from the key tropes, conventions and reader expectations to the variety of subgenres and publishing options available. You'll cover how to craft a tightly structured story, one that's filled with believable characters and intimacy, as well as the right level of heat for your book category. Most importantly, you'll learn the techniques to ensure a satisfying climax every time. And because this is one of our online self-paced courses, you'll enjoy instant access and can learn at your own pace with 12 months access to all course materials. You can find out more at writerscentercomau slash romance. And now let's welcome our writer in residence this week. Michelle Upton writes short stories and novels, and her latest novel is Emergency Exit Only. Born in Birmingham, England, Michelle has lived in Australia since 2006 and is proud to call herself Australian. Before having children, she was a primary school teacher, and her debut novel, Terms of Inheritance, was also shortlisted for the HarperCollins Banjo Prize. Thanks so much for joining us today, Michelle. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've really been looking forward to this. Oh, look, I, I'm, congratulations on your latest book, Emergency Exit Only. So many questions I have for you on this. This is actually your second novel. The other one was Terms of Inheritance. So tell us, Emergency Exit Only, hmm? what is it about? So Emergency Exit Only is about 35-year-old Amelia Harris, who is in an accident and comes to realise how short life can be. And when she's pushed to her limits at work, she dramatically quits her mundane job. But rather than going and getting another job somewhere else, doing the same thing that she's done for the last 10 years, she decides to go in search of a job that will ignite a passion within her. And so she spends the next few months testing out all the jobs that she's ever dreamed of doing, such as wedding planning, zookeeping, florist, teacher, writer, and, and lots more and of course throw in some family drama and a big romance and we're in for a good time but ultimately it's a story about what happens when you continuously step out of your comfort zone. I absolutely love what Amelia does it's everything that I'm about I'm really big on finding your dream job so yeah. I just this <laughs> really really resonated with me so I just absolutely love it but what I would like to know is I mean this inspiration kind of came from a very personal experience for you right yeah for sure I mean Initially, when I was trying to think of a new book idea, I'd written Terms of Inheritance, I'd played around with a, a, a few other ideas. And so when I when I decided, okay, yeah, okay, we're going to go again, now I've got to think of another idea. Um, I literally went back to the drawing board and I had an A3 pad right in front of me and I went right back to the basics and asked myself, um, you know, why do we read? And the answer to that is, well, I read to escape, you know, and I had this very strong image in my mind of um, a woman who, you know, wants to escape the daily routine and she's sitting in a desk at work and all her other colleagues, 
their desks overlook the beautiful windows in the park and they've got gorgeous trees, but her desk overlooks an emergency exit only door. And so as soon as I had that idea, I was like, yes, I know where I'm going to go with this. And as I developed the idea, um, you know, she's going to, she quits her job, she's going to go and find something that ignites a passion within her. That really did come from a personal uh, place. Um, 15 years ago, my dad passed away. He died of cancer. And even though we knew he wasn't well and, you know, he, he wasn't going to make it, he didn't have as long as it, he ended up with, we thought he would. And it all happened very quickly. And that led to me asking all, you know, I, was a, I had a 10 month old, my eldest son, and I was kind of in a state of shock. And I was left to ask all these big questions about, you know, why we're here, what's our purpose? Um, and one of the questions that kept coming back to me um, after he passed away in the, in the months after was, uh, because I was a primary school teacher and I was on maternity leave, the question that kept coming to me was, is if you could do anything, if you could do anything, what is it you really, really want to do? Don't think, put limitations on yourself. Um, don't put, think about any obstacles that could get in the way. What is it you really want to do? And the answer that kept coming back to me was to write, to write. And, you know, I was 29. I'd, I'd done a degree in uh, literature and psychology and I was a big reader. And But I'd never, ever thought about um, writing before. It wasn't something I'd really thought about. Um, but with this overwhelming feeling, that was it. I just decided, you know what, that's it. I'm going to go and give this my best shot and see and see what happens. And because of that, I didn't go back to teaching full time. Um, I was a stay at home mom for, you know, a few years with the kids. But then I went back when I went back to work, I went back casually and I went back to work for an event stylist and uh, and then later on as a teacher aide as opposed to going back as a teacher because I wanted to carve out that time for me. Once I started off in short stories, but once I moved into and made the decision that I wanted to write a novel, I wanted to give it everything I had. And, you know, I, I, it, it was that feeling of if your time's cut short, you know, I didn't want to have any regrets because from my dad, you know, I, I learned that time isn't guaranteed to anyone. And and as as you go through life you and you lose more people, you, you learn that. And, um, yeah, so it really came from that experience. I love that you took the plunge, that you really decided, okay, I yeah. know that my dream job would be to be a writer. My dream career would be to write. And then you took action um, yeah. to, to make it happen. So at that point, though, did you – well, actually, let me ask you, why did you not think that this was uh, an option earlier? It, it was just never on my radar. I didn't think it was something, it, it's like a lot, a lot of people, I suppose, I didn't think it was something that I could do. Um, I didn't think um, maybe I had anything worth saying that anyone would pay any attention to me. But it, it just wasn't on my radar. I suppose because I, I was in teaching, if I had thought of writing, I think, oh, oh you know, I, I like the idea of writing picture books and that kind of thing. But then when I had the idea of, oh, to, to I wanted to write it's funny then because things start for it's almost like the universe goes okay and starts lining things up for you so not long after that I had an email from a, 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 a mom from playgroup who sent me an email and uh just out of the blue I think she just sent it to everyone she knows she knows and said I'm gonna start a writer's group does anybody want to join in and I was I hadn't written anything and I was full of fear but I thought, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I, I don't know what I, I don't know what I'm doing, but I've got to do this. And so we joined, and there was there was only the three of us. Um, and we would just meet up every every month or so. But then, of course, it was like, well, now I've got to start writing something. If I'm in a writer's group, I've got to start writing. And I um our local Redlands libraries, fantastic libraries, they had a competition on for a short story competition. And so that was the motivator for me. Well, I'll have a go at writing a short story. And I entered that competition and it and it ended up being like um, in The Alchemist, they talk about beginner's luck. And it was like that because 
my short story got picked up. It was one of uh, 10, 10 stories that got picked up and published into an anthology. And so, of course, it was like, oh, well, you know, um, maybe if I can write a short story, I wonder if I could write a novel. <laughs> you know? I love that. And that's not the only um, short story competition you've entered, because, in fact, from the yeah. very, very first Furious Fiction yeah. run by the Australian Writers' Centre, like, I don't know, more than five years ago or whatever, yeah. you entered that first yeah. one and you entered every single month, practically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I lost <laughs> I lost count when I got to 42 and I know oh it's more than that. So it was a lot. <laughs> oh, oh my but, God. So it's just so that that's fantastic that you had that determination and tenacity. Yeah. What did you get out of that experience? I, I got so much out of the experience. Um, first of all, what I love about Furious Fiction is that it gives you the opportunity to play around with um, genres, points of view. We're going to write in third person, first person. And, you know, because when, it, you know, I'm writing novels now, once you've decided you want to write a novel, you make all those decisions early on. And for months, you're sticking with that. So you're writing in first person, whatever choice you, you decide to make. And so Furious Fiction every month was like a breath of fresh air because I could write something with magical realism in it or, you know, something like a bit of a crime thriller or, you know, something that's out of your comfort zone. And, and you are out of your comfort zone because you have the criteria that is set for you in those 55 hours. Um, and, and, there's, and going to that 55 hours, you get given the prompts on the, at five o'clock on the on the Friday evening. You've got till Sunday to get it in. And what I love about it is that no matter what, you've just got to go for it. But then you get to hit submit and you get to send it off and you get to finish something. And regardless of whether you absolutely love writing it or whether you were just pulling your hair out <laughs> trying to do it, there's that satisfaction of sending it off and putting it out into the world. And then there was a for, for me that I was on Twitter and there was a fantastic furious fiction community around that and we were all cheering everybody on and and now I've got to meet a couple of people from Twitter that we were doing those um and kind of supporting each other but another thing that I got from furious fiction which you wouldn't think would come from it was that it really helped me way back all those years ago um you know I kind of put it out into the universe Okay, I want to be an author. So when you when you start out, you start looking at what are the things I need to do. And it says, you know, start building up a platform. And of course, so you go, well, you know, how do I do that? So you start off with, okay, so I'll get a website. So I, uh, I go through Wix.com. So I, I created a website myself. But what I did was after every Furious Fiction, once the winners had been announced, I then took that short story and, and uploaded it onto my website that has got an email address and a newsletter that goes out. And then I would take uh, take that short story and I would go onto Canva or, and I use PicMonkey and I would make a front cover for it. And then I would take that front cover and I would put it, turn it into a post uh, with the title and I'd say, and then I'd post it on social media and say, oh, you know, short story out now or whatever and come over here and check it out. And people would check it out. And over the years, it really built up my Instagram followers. It built up a connection with readers. People would reach out to me and cheer me on and say I love these one minute reads and oh I was in tears at this and 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 just these bit of all these bits of feedback but that was invaluable because when you know as 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 you know fate turned out how it did and I and I oh, so thankfully so grateful got a book deal with Harper Collins when my book came out last year for terms of inheritance I wasn't freaking out in the weeks before going, oh my gosh, now I need a website. Now I need to be on all social media. How do I make an attractive post that tells everyone about all these different events? Because I'd been doing it for years. So so then I could freak out about being on a podcast or, or, being, <laughs> or speaking at a library or all the other yeah. things that you're like, people are going to like my book. So I could pull that my attention somewhere else. So Furious Fiction for me, I hold it really dear to my heart because 
not only did it help me with my writing and find my voice in that respect uh, and continuously take me out of my comfort zone and push me out of my comfort zone, which is always good as a writer. It gave me so many other skills in the industry and when it comes to marketing and that kind of thing as well. So. I love yeah. that um, you you used it as an opportunity to experiment in in addition yeah. to obviously getting those other skills. Um, but take me back to um, okay, so you join the writers group, you mm-hmm. you know you enter some short story competitions. Yeah. When did you get the when did you get the idea or know that you had a novel um, for uh, terms of inheritance? Okay, so so when I got that idea of oh. I'll have a go at writing a novel now. (laughs) Uh, I wrote a novel that didn't get picked up and it took me, you know, I now call it my apprenticeship novel. At the time I was hoping it it wouldn't be my apprenticeship novel and it would get picked up. But I spent six years working on that. I sent it off for three different manuscript assessments. When I got to the point where I'd done everything I could with it, I sent it off to everyone um, and, you know, that one didn't get picked up. Then I made the decision, you know, okay, am I going to go again? Because it's, and and it is a question you have to ask yourself. For me, it was like a no brainer. Yes, I'm definitely going again. But it is time away from your family. You know, um, there's a lot of sacrifices that come with plowing that much time and energy into into a a piece of work. Um, But as soon as... The great thing about having that apprenticeship novel is that you can take everything that you've learned over those six years and then you then apply it to um, a new novel. So I'm kind of going, okay, well, I'm not going to make this mistake and I'm not going to make this mistake. And so what's going to be a great idea for the for terms of inheritance? And and the idea for that came from I was out on a run and I was thinking, okay, I need another idea, I need another idea. And, um, you know, you're desperately running back in your brain, so at least I feel I always am. And I was like, oh, gosh, you know, I'm I'm out on my run and I'm thinking, well, they say write what you know. They say write what you know. And I was like, well, I know about running because I run a marathon and, uh, you know, I run 10K three or four times a week or whatever. And I was like, oh, God, it's it's so hard. And and then I was thinking, well, imagine if you had to run a marathon and, um, you, you know, you, you had no choice. I wanted to do it and it was hard. But, you know, what if you didn't want to do it, and but you had to? And that's where the idea of, oh, what if you had to run a marathon in order to get your inheritance? And then and then that was where the idea clicked in and I knew I was onto something and then came came back and I was like oh okay this is going to have humor in it and and all these things and I was like okay well let's just give it a go and see what happens you know and let's go again and but it's great because you've got all those tools behind you um that you've been learning all over the years and and it's and it is great to apply it to something completely fresh. Can you recall the um when you found out um, how that you got your book deal, but also how did that happen? Okay, so so I wrote, started writing terms of inheritance. It was um, the middle of July 2019, and I kind of pushed through NaNoWriMo, and I think I got to 60,000 words at the end of 2019. And then I spent, and then COVID hit, so nothing got happened for six months after that, like a lot of people. And then I was desperate for some escapism, went back to it, spent the second part of 2020, um, you know, I, I'd got that kind of rough first draft, kind of building on that, got to 84,000 words. And then in 2021, I felt like I had something strong enough that I could start putting out to literary agents and putting it out there. And so that's what I did. But I also entered um, at that point, I think it's March or May, I entered the Banjo Prize run by HarperCollins. Um, and so I put that out into the into the world and, you know, you just enter all these competitions and and then it was coming to September and it was in September, I'd, you know, I was putting my work out and for terms of inheritance and sometimes you hear back and, uh, you know, you get a rejection or sometimes you don't hear back. And I remember this morning I, I was feeling particularly deflated and I was on a run and 
I, I, my mom lives in the UK, so I always chat to her on FaceTime while I'm running. And so I was chatting to her and she's just the best. She just lets me like vent to her. <laughs> and uh, because I was starting to feel all the, all the things I was feeling when I wasn't getting in it anywhere with the first novel. And I was like, oh, here we go again. Here we go again. And I, I, you know, you have your ups and downs. And But that morning I was feeling like, I felt like I'd been punched in the stomach, to be honest. So I, I remember it quite vividly and, and thinking, you know, maybe it's not going to happen this time either. And then um, my phone rang um, and I said to my mom, oh, well, let me just quickly answer this and I'll get I'll get back to you. And I was prepared to say, oh, you know, to the spam. Oh, thanks for phoning, <laughs> but I'm not interested or whatever. And she said, oh, Michelle Upton. And I'm like, yes. So, OK, they know who I am. Um, this is Roberta Ivers from HarperCollins. And I just wanted to let you know you've been shortlisted for the Banjo Prize. <laughs> oh my god honestly I just couldn't believe it and to go from oh my gosh you know this is not happening and then in the flick of a switch it completely changing and oh my gosh I phoned my mom straight back and I was like jumping up and down the road and uh you know sprinting back home to tell my husband and and then I was just like I got you know shortlisted and I'm crying and you know dancing around the house and all the feet all the feels honestly it was you know it, it really meant the world to me and when those feelings calmed down I've got to say the feeling I'm getting choked up now but the feeling that I was left with was I was right to carry on I was right to keep going because to have that perseverance you know you it like we talk about perseverance as if it's easy, as if as if it's something that, you know, you don't have to worry about, but to keep going and to persevere and to hold on to your dreams and to talk about your dreams to everyone, you you, you know, all your friends and all your family like I do, because I, I, they knew what I wanted to do. But then to have that validated and to go, and, and it was just like this, an old, uh, uh, you know, the past version of myself putting a shoulder on my hand and saying, you were right to keep going. You know, I told I, I told you you were right, you know. <laughs> and um, it, it really was amazing. And then ever since I've been on this amazing roller coaster ride and I feel so blessed and so grateful and, you know. Oh, I absolutely <laughs> love that story. I'm getting all emotional myself. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I, I think that's absolutely fantastic. So, of course, then you get shortlisted and you get on the yeah. radar of HarperCollins, which is awesome. Yeah. And at some oh, point... Yeah. And at some point you um, enrolled in the romance writing course at yes. the Australian Writers' Centre. So what yes. did you get out of that course? Oh, well, what I love about that was, well, I'd, I'd finished writing terms of it. So, so I must say, I'll just add on to that. Two weeks mm-hmm. later, I then got a phone call to say they loved the they loved it so much they wanted to publish it. So that's how the publishing. Oh, that's amazing! <laughs> get, get caught up in the uh, being told I got shortlisted. Um, but um, so so that you know just before Christmas, I, they've got the manuscript, and I was waiting to get back the structural edits for that. And I was really um, kind of desperate to dip into something creative. So I wanted to do the uh, the romance writing course was just coming on. It was just being launched um, at that time. And I thought I knew this was something that I definitely wanted to do because Terms of Inheritance has, you know, it's like commercial um, book club, women's fiction, um, but it's got romantic moments in it. And having written and having written that, I loved it so much. I knew going forward that whatever I wrote next would definitely have some kind of romance in it. And I was right in thinking that because emergency exit only I like to I like to say it's got major rom-com vibes and it's got that the romantic elements in it. Um, so I did that course and I really enjoyed the fact that I could, you know, take a character and go deep into the character's romantic history. And um, I just wanted to make sure that if I was going to going to write about romance, I didn't want to miss any of the crucial elements. And it's been really fantastic because what. I like to think of courses as, um, you know, they're the gift that keeps on giving because 
you do it once and you're th you've got a particular work in mind and so you're kind of thinking okay terms of inheritance those romantic elements but then when I was doing emergency exit only you pull out all those hand or all those notes that you've made and all the handouts that you provide and then you put in all that knowledge again to a new work and and you just keep doing that so it is just the gift that keeps it keeps <laughs> on giving it's just invaluable so um yeah I really enjoyed it definitely worth doing for sure. So with emergency exit only, talk me through the timeline. So from the idea yeah. of, you know, I'm, I, I have this idea, I'm going to start writing now. Yeah. How long till you got a, you know, a, a, a draft that you were happy with? Okay. So I came up with, it happened really quickly. Once I'd got that idea, I took it to um my publisher at HarperCollins and she was like, I love it. <laughs> it was it was the dream. She goes, I love it. She goes, give me a tag and a blurb, like 250 word kind of blurb. Um, this was on a Friday, on the Wednesday, by Wednesday, and I'll take it to acquisitions and we'll see what happens. And and it went to acquisitions and they loved it. And, you know, in that dream moment, uh, she's like, okay, so we're going to need it by the end of March. Well, this was... I think at this point, middle of November, <laughs> November or something like that. So I'm like, right, okay. So so it probably took me doing the first draft, probably took me about uh, three months and then I had a gap and then I went back and was able to kind of rework it. So it all happened really quickly. Yes, that is very quickly. Um, it, it was super fast. And, you know, when you talk about what's the difference between writing your first novel and your second novel, that first novel, you know, because you've got no one waiting for you and all the rest of it, it's like, okay, if I get a few hundred words done today, that's a bonus. And, you know, but I'll write until two o'clock because then I've got to go and fill the car with petrol and the kids need snacks from Woolies and all the rest of it. <laughs> but this time <laughs> it was like, I, I, get, I, I knew how many days that, I'm a super plotter, I should say, to begin with. So everything is plotted to begin with. And then I knew how many days I had to write it. And so I was able to break down um, the number, you know, I needed 90,000 words, divide that by how many days I want to do it, allowing for some space at the end and to go, re go over it and that kind of thing. And then it was a case of get up at five, start writing at 5.30 and I don't leave the house until I've hit my word count. And, you know, if the car needs filling with petrol, it's okay, we've got 15 kilometres, I'm sure we'll get to school and back. You know, if I, if I need to go to Woolworths because the kids are starving, the cereal, you'll be fine, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> it's kind of like that attitude. It's like, you know, the, the writing comes first, sit down and you get it done kind of thing. But um, I just love the story so much and it was so fun. You know, there's a lot of fun and games in it. And um, so so it, it, I really enjoyed writing it. And and like I say, because I, I'm a plotter, every time I was sitting down every day, I knew exactly what scene I was going to write for for that. So let's talk about that. You're a plotter. To mm -hmm. what extent, how granular do you get in your plotting and what do you actually plot on? A spreadsheet, index yeah. cards, you know, Word document what? So um, I plot on, I bought some felt boards from Bunnings. They're about one metre by one. <laughs> you can, I'm an extreme plotter. I'll just say that up front. Uh, so I've got these big felt boards, a metre by one one and a half meters and I buy the big index cards and I map out the whole scene by scene the whole novel from beginning to end and you know I get my trusty save the cat book out and uh, and but I spend quite a lot of time doing that you know like a easy uh, easily over a month or two and I, I I'm able what I like about that is I'm able to stand back and see the whole thing it's almost like I can hold the whole novel in my head and I feel like I need to do that I've had a go at Scrivener before and stuff but it's just too small to <laughs> to be able to see it on the screen so this really works for me and what I like about those boards is that I can carry them around the house and work in different spaces it's not in the office or whatever and then because so with terms of inherit uh, sorry with emergency exit only because I knew I was on a deadline um, what I did was, was I knew when it came to research and things like that, 
and and character development I knew that I was gonna um the, you know you have the typical questions that start coming up when you're writing a novel so you're meeting a character for the first time so Amelia's mother Tony she's you know she's quite out there she's got a particular style about her so what I did was I spent uh probably about a week and all I did on the internet was researching like the characters um so for example, okay, what is it they wear? And I would go onto websites and I would just look at clothing and I would pull off all those pictures of all the, all the, all the you know, the wardrobe of Tony. And then I would pull up all the all, loads of clothes and have the wardrobe of say like Amelia. And then I knew that um, her mother was going to live in a big old Queenslander house. And so I decided you know, I went on to realestate.com and I searched through houses, through the houses and I found the ideal house and got all the pictures off there. And once I'd done that for all the different aspects of, um, you know, of those things that I knew I would need, um, I then put it all into, you know, so I would have a, a, a whole page of just all the outfits, loads of pages on just the house and, you know, descriptions of the house and, you know, the terminology that's used uh, and that kind of thing. And then I printed all that out, put it into a folder. And then what happened was I'm like, you know, happily writing away. And then we get to the point where we're like, okay, so we've met Tony for the first time. What is she wearing? I just flip over to that page and go, oh, she's wearing that. And then I can just carry on and, and okay, we're in the Queenslander house for the first time. Describe that. Okay, so I flick over the pages, I'm flicking through and it's already there. And that stops me from going down an internet like getting lost and just wasting hours searching for that the all the focus all of that has been done in advance and and it just helped me hit the word count and um it just gave me such a, a great flavor for who the characters were and and I really I really enjoyed doing that so I found that re a really useful tool I I love how systematic you are. That's <laughs> next level systematic. But what when you say okay, you 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 put it on the index cards in scene yeah. by scene. Yes. But what might appear on that index card? What level of yeah. you know how much of the scene is in there? So it might be um, a lot of the time it ends up being a conversation, the main conversation that's happening, and I would try and make sure that you know there's a turning point on each index card. So this is what's going to happen we know we know this is where they are now and then this is what's going to happen at the end so you know these two characters meet on a beach and you, you know so so it'd be something like that but it's a very it's a brief kind of sometimes sometimes it's just like a, a couple of sentences sometimes it's just the dialogue but I it just it's just enough to give me an image in my head of where I'm coming in at the scene and sometimes you know, it, it veers off in different ways and, you know, I'm open to it all, you know, all changing and, and, and things coming at me once I'm in the writing process as well. But I just have, as long as I have a, a an image of where I kind of want to start, um, that's pretty good and, and some idea of where I want to go there, that that's the main thing, where to start and kind of where I want to go by the end of that scene. Awesome. So yeah. when did you kind of, think at what point did you go okay I mean I know that there was the validation when you were shortlisted for the banjo which of course is awesome um but when did you kind of realize this is it I'm not I, I this is this is my the, I'm sticking with this and this is my full-time career now well it's never it's it's never been a question it, it was always like if I get here I just want to keep on going you know <laughs> I love I love writing so much and there are yeah, a lot of the time it's hard work sitting down you have to do the work you have to show up but I tell you what there are these moments where the universe it just all comes together and you think this is exactly what I should be doing and they're the moments that you're always chasing. They're the highs that you're always trying to get to and it's addictive <laughs> you know <laughs> and it's and it's um that feeling of you can't describe it you know you'll be in a room and you're just sitting on your own and you've written something and you think there's a bit of magic in that and you can't do and uh, you know I remember over the years over the years having those moments and then I'd go and pick up 
pick up my friend, you know, pick up my kids from school or whatever. And I'll be chatting to the moms outside or whatever. And they're like, oh, how's your day? And, and it's like, yeah, yeah. And then it's, how's your day? And then, and then you kind of go, oh, <laughs> you, you feel like you can't say, oh, I've just had this most magical moment. <laughs> just wrote this like most awesome sentence and it's all just coming together. <laughs> like you can't really say like that. So it's very intimate, you know, it's a very intimate um, process. And, um, you know, regardless of what happens, um, uh, you know, publishing is a roller coaster ride. There's there's rejections, there's highs, there's lows. It's difficult. It's it's not easy. But there are these moments, and and they're the moments that I'll be I'll be chasing till the end of time. Because um, really, it all comes back. And when I have those moments, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's um, this is the gift my dad left me. You know, that's really what <laughs> that's really what it is. It's you know through something terrible happening um I'm trying not to cry on the podcast I love so much but it's it really is um it changed the trajectory of my life completely and I'm so incredibly grateful and and it is it's it, it, it what a, what an amazing gift to have at such an early age because not every not everyone gets it it, it was a wake-up call and it is it's a harsh wake-up call but um not not everyone gets that. Some people get it on later on in life, but I do. I, I am really grateful for it. I do, I do anything to have my dad back with me. I, you know, I love him so much. But um, th- this was a gift that he left me for sure. For sure, what a beautiful tribute to to your dad. Um, so tell us what you're working on now. So now I'm 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 going to have a bit of space in my head and fill my creative cup <laughs> because I've just been so I'm going to enjoy Christmas and I'm going to be um back to the drawing board so no doubt I'll be pulling out that A3 pad and uh coming up with some you know uh you know some great hooks and and I love this moment because that as scary as the blank pages when it when you come to writing having a blank board and uh, not 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 quite knowing where the next idea is going to be. There's something really exciting about that because the possibilities are endless. So uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to. I'm looking forward to finding out what's next and uh, and taking it from there and just enjoying the ride. And you know, I've got a lot of publicity with um, emergency exit only. And uh, yeah, just uh, uh, taking a step back, try and be in the moment, and uh, and we'll just see what happens. You know. That's so exciting. <laughs> I, I can't wait I can't wait to see what happens next for you because I have no doubt that you are gonna have a very long author career. So oh, let's finish you. with what are your top three tips okay. to people who would love who are aspiring and would love to be in a position yeah. where you are one day? So number one, enter competitions because they are great deadline you know deadlines are great motivators and you know if you if you get if you place anywhere it's something to put in your bio and um you know I, I think of the version of me that didn't enter the banjo prize and how terms of inheritance could still be a word document on my computer <laughs> and you know so you just got to put yourself out there it's 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 really um it's a numbers game about finding the right person at the right time for your book. You know, reverse arrivers were just absolutely loved uh, the Turner women and she was the right person and it just found her, you know? Um, so just keep, continue to put yourself out there into competitions. Um, for, um, have a go at so- social media. I know, and, and this is personal to everyone, but the way I look at social media is kind of, um, you know, recently, you know, a lot of people have been saying, oh, I'm just on Facebook or I'm just on Instagram. But it, the, uh, the way I look at it is as an author is if I am only on Instagram, but then somebody, a reader is only on Facebook, then we're never going to connect to it and they're not going to find out about, you know, they can't connect with me. I can't connect with them. And um, so it's it's just about trying to get yourself out there and um, and social media I, I i don't really i don't use it for personal use apart from a few school groups or whatever but it's just such a great place to interact with readers and if you you know if you're doing furious fiction don't be afraid to put your work out there and and then post it on on the socials just give it a go you've really got nothing to lose you know um because what you'll find is that 
the people that who are reading it and the people that are reaching out to you, they're doing it because they really like it and, and they want more of it and they want to know, they want to be able to find you. They want to go to their Facebook and they want to be able to find you easily because they want to follow you because they want to support you. You know, it is, it is, it can be really po a positive place as well. Um, and then um, tip three, I would probably say, before you, well, you can either, before you start writing a novel, which is what I do, or at any point that you wait through whatever you're writing now, is have a go at writing a tagline and either your elevator pitch or a blurb. Because I've had a go, before Emergency Exit Only, I came up with an idea and, and there were great characters and I was thinking, yeah, this is great. But then when I went to write the elevator pitch or like a blurb, that what I do then is I ask myself, okay, if I was in an airport and I turned over this book and I've got like, you got your 20 seconds or whatever, would I buy it? And a couple of times when I've come up with ideas, I go, no, no, I, no, I wouldn't. And then I go, so is that stronger? Is that hook strong enough? Is it good enough? Sometimes it's just a case of um, rewording your you you pitch or rewording it it's not the idea itself that's a problem but um it's it's a really good kind of practice to do because it tells you so much early on because you're going to have to do this like if you want to get published uh and take it to a publisher or a literary agent you're going to have to do this anyway so have a go at doing it at the beginning and then once you're confident with that Go and chat to you, chat to your friends and or anyone in your way, wherever you're networking about writing or whatever. And when someone says to you, what's your book about? Memorize it and say it to them and then look at them. And it's like, are their eyes, are their eyes lighting up or are they glazing over? <laughs> because they don't have to say anything. I'll tell you, you'll know straight away. And again, that could just be how you're presenting the pitch to them. Um, or, you know, but it gives you a lot of feedback. And um, and th and then having while you're writing, having that tagline and the and the and and that pitch visible while you're writing the novel, it helps you to keep on track, so you don't end up going following a character that's not relevant, or you know going you, you know going down some kind of rabbit hole. It keeps you focused and on track as to this is what the book is about, and of course things can change in that, but. For me, it's just a really good practice and um, it helps you. It, it gives you a lot of feedback early on. But, but I can I can probably do that because I'm a, I'm a plotter. You know, I suppose if you're a pantser and you don't know where you're going, but maybe when you've got a good idea at that point, you could you could give that a go for sure. This is all fantastic advice and I absolutely love chatting to you. I have no doubt we are going Likewise. to see so much more of you in the future and I just cannot so. wait to see what unfolds. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> Before I leave you with our fun fact for this week, I wanted to highlight a fantastic focus on event that we've got happening on Thursday, the 1st of February, 2024. So this is a live Zoom seminar and it's going to be from 7pm to 8.30pm Sydney Melbourne time and it's focus on flashbacks and memories because sometimes a great way to introduce important backstory or to introduce important information that the reader needs to know, the best way to do it can sometimes be in a flashback or memory. But how do you make that distinct from a dual timeline story? Now, flashbacks and memories are a great technical device that you can use to really easily and seamlessly convey some information or important information about a character or an event or a particular plot point. But how do you do it well? Well, find out at Focus on Flashbacks and Memories, which is a live Zoom seminar. There'll be an hour presentation and then 30 minutes of Q&A where you can ask the wonderful Pamela Freeman all your burning questions which might arise or which you might already have that are, you know, brewing in your brain. So you do need to register for the event and uh, it's part of our fantastic Focus On series. And you'll learn so much about when you should use flashbacks and memories. What's the difference between a flashback and a memory, yeah? How do you decide which one to use? And so much more. You can find out more about that at writerscentercomau slash Focus on flashbacks. That's writercenter.com.au slash focus on flashbacks. And um, make sure you book in. 
All right, I'm going to wrap up with our fun fact for the week. To wit, W-I-T, is one of those phrases that we use without really thinking about how weird it is. So to wit means that is to say or namely. You know, for example, um, the defendant was charged with the possession of drugs, to wit, cocaine and cannabis. It's actually a shortened form of that is to wit, with wit meaning to know. So what you're saying is that is to know. And it's that version of wit, as in to know, that then leads to our English words witness and wits, as in having your wits about you. So there you go. Next time you uh, use or hear or read the phrase to wit, you'll know a little bit about the history of the word. This brings me to the end of this week's episode. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I really appreciate it. Uh, If you do have 30 seconds to leave a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, that would be awesome because it really helps us in the rankings. Uh, Feel free to connect with me on social media. I'm at Valerie Koo, mainly on Instagram. uh, And um, as I mentioned, if you're going to be following on Instagram stories, you'll probably see images this week, this time. (laughs) This is the correct week of the cruise I'm going on. I'm just going to be posting them to amuse myself because I've never been on a cruise before. But of course, do connect in the listener community on Facebook. Just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community and request to join. Love to have you in there. And of course, I post writing related stuff in there too. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercenter.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writercentercomau slash news, where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions, and much more.